do you remember that time when Jesus Christ came into your life? I remember that. I'll tell you what. Uh, Andrew, blessed assurance. That's my favorite. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. It is well with my soul. When our girls were coming up, they were just babies. I loved to sit in the rocking chair and sing to them. And Blessed Assurance was the main song. And they'd go to sleep. And I don't think it was because of the song. I think it was because of my voice. <laughs> because I can't sing worth a hoot. <laughs> but I love to make a joyful noise, and I guess they understood that. And they understood a joyful noise can only go on so long. And, uh, and so that was it. It is well with my soul. Now, if you can't say that this morning, something is wrong. And it needs to be made right. This past week, or last couple of weeks really, after Kelly called me and asked me if I would preach, and I started thinking and praying and about a message, and there were two or three that really I was looking at as far as bringing them to this congregation. But it always went back to one, as I thought about our folk here. Because we have individuals in this congregation, all of us, who have needs. All of us who go through some trials, have gone, are going, will go. Makes no difference. There are trials that will come to us at all times. We're not immune to this just because we know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. That does not say you'll never have any troubles. In fact, many times, troubles start because of that. Because Satan, when you're lost, he has you already. He doesn't worry about you. But when you come to know Christ... There's a different story there. And Satan's always working, always pushing, always trying to get at you the best way he can. So this morning, uh, as I thought about this, I, I thought about the fact, you know what? As I deal with seniors, and as I have dealt with seniors, uh, after I retired and started uh, going into that particular type of work as far as teaching, I, I found that Seniors have a lot of needs, and seniors are always going through trials. But I thought about my life, and as I was growing up, and as I did get older, you know, it doesn't start start at seniors, it starts back before then. And so as I look out at this congregation, I know that within this congregation, there are individuals, if not all, there are individuals who are going through some trials, And God laid it on my heart to speak this message, to preach this message on how we react to trials. And let me pose that question to you right off, as I'll probably pose it to you throughout. When trials come your way, how do you react to them? What do you do with them? And I'm going to take my thoughts from James, the first chapter. We're told that 
James wrote this letter somewhere around A.D. 50. And the reason for this date is due to the fact that uh, there was no allusion in the letter to the Gentiles whatsoever. Uh, believers were not mentioned in there as far as that, the Gentile believers. No mention of any issues in Rome concerning the faith and the works debate that went on. No mention of the Jerusalem conference whatsoever. Therefore, the date is set sometime around 50 A.D. The 12 tribes that James is referring to here in general, chiefly are those eastern dispersion tribes, often Syria, Mesopotamia, and Babylonia, these particular ones. And as you look at the book of James as a whole, you, you get the picture of uh, the early Christians in the midst of difficult and social conditions. A lot of problems going on there. And this in itself makes this particular message from James very modern for us today. Look, if you will, at the television tube. Listen to the radio, hear people talk, and you'll see then that the social conditions are not conducive to good living sometimes. Like they were back in this particular time, the social conditions were bad. The Jews away from their homeland were likely experiencing Several different types of trials and troubles during that time. There were serious adversities that could include included such things as loneliness. They were away from their home. There was much grief among them. There was suffering, hardships, rejections, frustrations, homesickness, social isolation, language barriers and culture shock. All of these particular things made up for trials in their lives. Along with all of this, we're told that persecution had started. Can you see anything in our day like that? Somewhere in this list, you and I fit. Somewhere in this list, there is something in your life and in my life going on, some type of trial that's hard to deal with in our day and in our time. My friends, it's no secret that trials come to all people. It makes no difference whether you are rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white. Christian, non-Christian. You see, it rains on the just and the unjust alike. The non-Christian has his trials. The Christian has his trials. In fact, you can't live in this world without trials. In his book, Larry Kennedy's book, Answers to Human Dilemmas, He said that the only way to keep the negatives, the trials, out of one's life is by becoming a corpse. 
Because a corpse doesn't have any trouble. A corpse doesn't have any trials. One of the realities of life, in your life and in my life, is that we cannot live without problems. We cannot live without pain. We cannot live without suffering. We cannot live without heartaches. We cannot live without the pressures of life. We cannot live without some type of trial in our lives. You might say, well, I don't have any. Search back. And if you don't have any today, see what tomorrow brings. Today I might be speaking to someone who is going through some type of trial or some types of trials. And you believe that because these are on me, there is no way that I can get through any of them. I just can't see my way clear. There is nothing that I can do about these. And let me say this. If you're depending on yourself, on your own power, and through your own power, to get through them, you won't do it. There is no way that on our own we can handle the problems and the trials and the tribulations and all the pressures of life that might come our way. But if you're a child of God, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, then, my friend, the battle is not yours. You don't have to go it alone. Jesus said these words to his disciples, and when he said them to his disciples, God preserved them that we might have them. I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. So if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you don't have to worry about handling the problem by yourself. The fact is that when the trials come, and they will come, we can react to them by giving up, Letting them run our lives, or we can look to our Heavenly Father, who is there to help us. For he said these words also, cast all of your care upon me, why? Because he cares for you. That's what he said back then, and I believe that word sticks today too. If we just cast our cares upon him because he cares for us, he's going to help us through that whichever is in our lives. Someone has said that man's calamity is God's opportunity. Whatever comes our way, God has opportunity to, to help us if we let him. There are times when the dark clouds of life do come. They do overshadow us. But if we give these dark clouds to God, then he's going to turn them into rays of sunlight. Did you know that? We can't do it on our own, but he can do it for us. And so the only way that we as believers, as children of God, can endure the hardships and trials of life is to trust our Lord for His strength, for His guidance, 
as needed for that particular occasion, whatever it might be, let's take one at a time and let him help us deal, let him help us deal with them. Friends, this is where our faith is really tested. Because within ourselves, we neither have the answers, nor do we have the strength to overcome some of the trials that come our way. As we've trusted God to save us through His Son, we also need to trust Him in our Christian pilgrimage. The phrase that Paul penned many years ago, we walk by faith and not by sight, is a backbone of effective Christian living because it not, is not only that which initializes our Christian journey, faith. You know what? When you came to know the Lord, you had to put your faith in Him. That initializes that Christian journey. But it's also that which helps to sustain us along that journey. So you see, when you first of all put your faith in the Lord, you don't drop it. Faith is an everyday adventure. Did you know that? You don't just say, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to put my faith in the Lord. He's going to take care of everything. I don't need any more faith. Faith is an everyday adventure. We have faith in Him every day of our lives. We faith in, already put our faith into Him for salvation. Now we put our faith in Him to sustain us. And to see us through life's difficulties. Paul, who had countless disruptions during his Christian pilgrimage, knew of adversities. And he knew that these adversities, these trials that came his way, could either make him or break him. And so when we look at Paul, we get insight into that particular area of his life where at one time he said... I have a thorn in the flesh. And contrary to what many might believe, I don't think it was his wife. You know, we don't even know that Paul was married. (laughs) But whatever this thorn was, it bothered Paul greatly. This was a trial in his life. And Paul had to deal with this trial some way, somehow. Listen to what he says. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times, not once, not twice, but three times, that it might depart from me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly will I rather boast in my infirmities and all of these things, in these trials, in these tribulations, that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, this is hard. Paul said, therefore... I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, 
in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. Did you hear what he said? I take pleasure in these things for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. These were the words of an individual who had once persecuted Christians, became a Christian, being persecuted himself, and said, in all of these things that might come my way, in all of these weaknesses that come here, then I am made a stronger person. How? Not by his own strength, but by the Lord's strength. It was Paul's strong faith, and Paul had a strong faith. This is not to say Paul didn't sin, Paul was human. But he had a strong faith that saw him through many trials. And he knew that he could not depend upon his own strength to see him through all of these obstacles that were being thrown at him. Shipwrecks and everything else, as you well know. Read the life of Paul and see all that through which he went. My friends, the same holds true for you and me today. We cannot do it through our own strength. If we're going to overcome the adversities, if we're going to overcome the trials of life, we must stop depending upon ourselves to do it. Because that's what many of us do. We must depend upon our Heavenly Father. Now let me quickly say this. I am not suggesting that God will always remove the trial, whatever that might be. But what I am saying is that through faith and dependence on Him, He's going to either remove it or He's going to be with us through it. Did you know that? Think back in your life. Trials that have come your way. God didn't take the trial away, but He was with you through it. So let me pose the question to you and to myself. When the winds of adversity, when the trials come our way, how are we going to react to them? What are we going to do about them? As we look at this particular passage of Scripture in James, James 1, I trust that we'll allow the Holy Spirit to convey to us that which is going to help us today as we face the trials of life. Those that we have now are those that will come to us in the future. So if you have your Bibles in hand, will you stand as we read God's Word? James, the first chapter, verses 1 to 4 and 12 to 15. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings, my brethren. Now, to get this word, count it all joy... Listen to that phrase, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And twelfth verse. Blessed or happy is the man who endures trials. You might have temptations in yours, but the word there is trials. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Will you pray with me? Father, I commit this time to you. I commit my life and my voice to you. Just work through me now, Father, through your Holy Spirit. Speak through me to each one of us here today that you might give us that which is needed for this day and the days to come. That even as we face trials and go through trials, our Lord Jesus Christ might be glorified in us and through us. For it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Now, according to what James is saying here, whenever we face any type of trial, I've already talked about trials, but when and how to handle them now, whenever we face any type of trial, we are to count it all joy. Did you hear that? When I face a trial... I'm to count that as joyous in my life. This is what James is saying. Now this word count that he uses here in the Greek tense has the idea to consider it now once for all. This is something that's going to be there. And when it comes, the tense of the idea, the verb here has the idea of you count it once for all, and, and in that counting once for all, knowing that it's going to be there anytime, and when it does come, you're to be joyous. You're to count it all joy when the trial comes to your life. And, and what this means, James is saying, this is whole joy that you are to have, unmixed joy. Not just some joy, but all joy, if you will. You ever been joyous when a trial came to your life? Have you ever jumped up and shouted, Hallelujah, I have a trial. And it's making me joyful. Look at the next phrase there. When you fall into various trials... Now, what this phrase really means is, in the original is, that when you're surrounded by them, when they're around you, and this trial can either be good or bad. You know, there are some trials that are good. So it can be either good or bad. 
In this verse, it's good. If trials are rightly faced, they're good. But if they're not rightly faced, they can be harmful to the individual. And it become temptations to evil then. You know, we can give over to a trial. And giving over to a trial, we can be tempted. And you know what happens when temptation comes, as James said in the latter part, as we read just a few moments ago in the 12th through the 14th verses. Now, this phrase, when you fall into various trials, assumes that trials are a normal part of life. That's what it is. As I said a while ago, trials are going to come. And they come at the most unexpected times in our lives. So this various trials assumes that trials are a normal part of life. And that's because of sin. We're going to have them. And they're going to come in any form. We don't know what kind. So pastor... Knowing that they're going to come, what are we going to do about them? Because you've talked about them coming and having them. What are we going to do about them? Well, I have to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible said rejoice. (laughs) That's what James tells us. And we believe that this is God's inspired word, do we not? And if we believe it's God's inspired word and James says rejoice, that must be what God wants us to do. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Wow. (laughs) For we know that they are good for us. Did you hear that? Problems and trials are good for us. Why? Because they help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectations of salvation. And this expectation will not disappoint us, for we know how dearly God loves us, because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Are you getting the picture? Don't be sad when trials come, but be joyous. Rejoice. But pastor, why in the world would I want to rejoice over some trial or trouble that has invaded my life? That's causing me to do things that I shouldn't do. This thing that's bringing havoc to my family. Why should I rejoice over that? Well, I'm glad you asked that because what I want to do is give you four truths about trials. Number one, we should rejoice because trials help strengthen our faith. Did you know that? That when you go through a trial, your strength can be strengthened. I mean, your faith can be strengthened. Or it can be weakened. It's according to how you react to that trial. In verse 3, James writes that the testing of our faith produces endurance like Paul did in Romans 5. The testing 
of our faith. And this is what trials will do. It will test how strong we are in the faith. How much we're dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. How much we look to God for that particular strength we need to endure the trial that's in our lives. Do you know trials are not meant to make us stumble or fall. Rather, trials come to help us soar, to move upward, if you will. They're not meant to defeat us, but they're meant to be defeated. They don't come to weaken us, but they come to make us stronger. And this is what James is talking about. Trials will strengthen our faith. Simply put, the trial can be God's gift to help us move forward in our Christian pilgrimage. To help us to grow mature into maturity in the Christian faith. Hear what James is saying. He is saying that the Christian is to be joyful in his trials. Did you get that phrase? He's to be joyful in his trials, not because of his trials. There is a difference. I dare say not one of us in here would be joyful because the trial came our way. But we can be joyful in the trial that did come our way. And this is why James wrote that we are to rejoice or till we, we are to consider it pure joy and not just some joy, but pure joy. And you might be thinking, how in the world am I going to have joy? I'm facing a trial right now and I can't be joyous about it, in it. There's no way possible because it's too hard for me to handle. But I want you to keep in mind, and I'm not saying this. This is what the Bible is saying to us. And there's a reason. And I believe that reason that we have trials that come our way is that it will help strengthen our faith. As James is saying, it will test our faith, and that testing will produce endurance in that faith. The scriptures tell us throughout, my friends, that trials are going to come. There'll be tribulations in life. We can't get over it. Jesus was clear on this when he was teaching the disciples. He said these words, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. I want you to hold to that phrase, you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you're going to have many trials and many sorrows. Go back. You're going to have peace in me, though. Even while you have these trials and these sorrows. Because I want you to take heart. I have overcome. And if Jesus has overcome, my friends, we can be overcomers. Can we not? In Paul's epistle, 2 Corinthians, speaking of the Macedonian church. And this is good for us today. Though they have been going through, talking about Macedonian Christians, though they have been going through much trouble and hard times, get this, their wonderful joy 
and their deep poverty have overflowed in rich generosity. (laughs) You see, the trials had hit them, but it didn't stop them. In their wonderful joy, Paul said, in a deep poverty, they still were generous in what they did. You see, what the trial was doing, it was helping them along. It was building their faith. In 1 Thessalonians, in 3rd chapter, Paul said, Even when we were with you, we warned you that troubles soon would come. And they did, as you well know. But be glad, for all God is planning for you. Be patient in troubles, and always be prayerful. You see, the troubles are going to come. I like what, I like what Paul told Timothy. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured? You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? But the Lord delivered me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, will suffer some trial, some tribulation, something in his or her life that is going to set that individual back if he or she is not careful and if he or she does not look to the Lord during that particular time. So you see... I can't see anywhere in the scriptures that we're guaranteed a life of ease. But I do see where we're going to have troubles. But for the Christian, there's a purpose. There's a purpose for God allowing us to go through them. Because, my friends, when we go through these trials, our faith is being tested. And that's going to help us grow. Our trials are going to strengthen our faith. They should. See, God wants us to grow in faith. He doesn't want us to have that initial faith I talked about and stop there. He wants us to grow in faith, to be made stronger in our faith. And He allows these trials to come into our lives to produce that strength and endurance that we need to go through life, and to go through life continuing faithing Him every day. Verse 3 says that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It produces steadfastness. Steadfastness leads to maturity, not perfection. I think we all here today, all of us who are Christians here today, know that we'll never be perfect. <laughs> not here. But we can be mature in the faith. And what happens in trials, the fact that we are growing toward that maturity, our faith is being tested. And if it's handled right and we allow God to help us handle it, we grow toward that maturity. We'll grow stronger and even purer in the faith. So then... First of all, trials come to help strengthen our faith. Have you ever found that to be true? When a trial or trials have come your way, that through this trial or through these trials you have become stronger in the faith, 
And you know what that means? You look more to the Lord. Stop depending upon yourself and look more to the Lord. The second truth is this. Our faith, not our salvation, our faith is being tested through trials. Not salvation, friends. In verse 2, the writer says, The endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete. It does not say so that you may be saved. (laughs) James is talking to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers here. So that your faith may endure. It may be made complete. Faith is a center of our Christian experience. And it's our faith that's being tested through these trials that we encounter. And when we overcome the trials or or the testings, then our faith is proven. Not our salvation. Our faith is that which is proven. That we have a strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if we don't trust Him to help us in these and the trial continues in our lives, then many things can happen, and we can falter. And people don't see that strong faith in the Lord. If anything, they see a weak faith if they see faith at all. But what happens here is that our our faith is being tested here. Our salvation, my friends, is secure. Did you know that you are saved and that you'll always be saved? Did you know that? I hope so. But there are times that our faith weakens when trials come and we sort of falter and our faith has to be proven. And it goes through trials of testing. So let me emphasize that we do not go through trials to see how much we can take or bear under. We go through trials to test our faith. Because if we go through them to see how much we take, how, much, how many trials can come our way and we can take them or, or bear under them, that, then that's nothing. But when we go through them and our faith is tested and we're looking toward the, to the Lord a whole lot more, then that's something. And that's something God wants us to do. 1 Peter 1 says, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though it's necessary for you to endure many trials for a while, these trials are only to test your faith. He didn't say to see how much you can take. But he said to test your faith. To show that it is strong and pure. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much glory and praise. And what he's saying there is that glory and praise is going to go to the Lord. Because we're not looking for the glory and praise. We're looking to glorify Him and to praise Him. 
And through these particular things that come our way, through all of these trials that come our way, and our faith begins to grow, then God is glorified in that. So faith is strengthened by trials. Faith is tested by these trials. And when these trials come, I want you to know this. You're not in control. You know you're not in control, and I'm not in control. God is always in control, okay? I want your eyes to drift to verses 12 and 13. In verses 2 and 3, James deals with trials. In verses 4 to 11, he looks at wisdom and humility. And in verses 12 and 13, he reverts back to trials and touches on temptation. Now, to understand the difference between temptation and testing or trials, I want you to look at verse 12 and 13. God blesses the people who patiently endure testing or trials. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else either. The difference between temptations and trials are that trials come to us from without. They are part of our daily living in a fallen, sin-cursed world. That's why we have trials. Temptations spring up from within a person. Well, how do you know that? Because James tells us that. Verse 14. A person is tempted when he is drawn away by his own evil desires. So the trials come from without. The temptations are from within. And God does not cause us to be tempted. He does not tempt us. That's from within us. The question is, how does one know the difference between testing and temptation? Are our struggles the consequences of our own sinful desires? Or could it be that these struggles have come because God is trying to stretch our faith? He's trying to teach us something. Well, let me say this. If the experience that we are having there in trials is an inducement to evil, we'll know that it's not of God, okay? We know that. But if we're going through a difficult experience, it may, may be that God is allowing this to come our way with a divine purpose. And that divine purpose is to strengthen our faith. And though He is allowing it, He doesn't expect us to go it alone. God is in control of it. And that's what he wants to be. He's not going to allow any more on us than we can stand. Did you know that? They're going to come. But God is in control. I'm talking to Christians now. I'm not talking to any who might not be a Christian here today. But I'm talking to, to Christians Endurance is the ability to persevere through increasing levels of testing, 
through the sufferings that might come our way, through the valley experiences, if you will. You ever had a valley experience? Yes. I wish that we didn't. We, we would all like to stay on the mountaintop, wouldn't we? It's like Jesus' disciples when he was with them, Mount of Transfiguration, said, Lord, we can make some tabernacles. We can all stay here. The mountaintop experience, Jesus said, the work's down there. <laughs> the work is in the valley. Friends, we go through valley experiences. But do you know what? We have someone going through them with us. Our Savior is our shepherd. He's with us in the valley as well as the mountain. And when we think that nothing can be done for the situation that we're facing, remember, our God can make a way out of no way. And we just need to remember that. We can't make a way out of no way, but our God can make a way out of no way. We can't see our way clear through that. We can't see light at the end of the tunnel. God can make the light there. He's the one who provides it. The psalmist said, Yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. God is with me. That valley can not only be a valley of death, but it can be a valley of adversity of any kind, any trials that might come. So let's remember this. When the trials come, our God is in control. And we need to let him have control and help us work through them. The fourth truth is this. We should understand testing or we should, I mean, trials as testing, but we remember them through, or we should understand them through an eternal perspective. Remember them through an eternal expect, expect, uh, perspective. Understand them like that, if you will. Listen to what James is saying. Blessed is the man who endures trials because when he passes the test, he's going to receive the crown of life. You hear that? He's going to receive the crown of life. As we are being made spiritually mature by the trials that come our way, we are at the same time having developed in us the highest quality of spiritual life as we are being prepared to enjoy all that God has for us, the fullest glories of heaven. When we see these trials come our way, you know what we do? We look forward. I'm not going to be going through this all the time. There's going to be a day when all of this is going to go, be, go by the wayside. And I'm not going to have to worry about them. And that day is when we meet Jesus face to face. And when we look at the trials that come our way, and we're going through these trials, we understand these trials with an eternal perspective. There's something better to come, if you will. Peter echoes the words of James. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, he uses this phrase, be very glad or rejoice, because these trials will make you partners with Christ in his suffering 
And afterward, you'll have the wonderful joy of sharing his glory when it is displayed to all the world. You see that eternal perspective that's there? That he's talking about? The rejoicing about which Peter has written is like the joy about which James has written. It's a joy that rises above the circumstances of life. Of all of those things that come our way and try to get us down. It's a joy that the Holy Spirit produces in us, if you will. It's a joy that helps us look beyond the present to our future salvation that's awaiting us in heaven. I said future because there's a future. Our, Our salvation will be culminated there. Trials and testing of our faith develop perseverance and endurance. And it's through perseverance and endurance that our spiritual strength is made stronger because our faith in God will allow God to help us through them. And when we allow Him to help us through them, then we can stand the test that's there. Friends, I want to say this. God never promised us that the Christian life would be easy. But he did promise us his presence at all times. As the gospel song says, he's the God of the morning, but he's also the God of the night. He's the God of the good times, as well as being the God of the bad times. He's always there for his children. Have you tried that formula? What formula is that, Pastor? The formula is let go and let God. (laughs) Don't try to do it on your own. Just let go and let God. Let me give you one last word about trials. Coming from Paul's letter in 2 Corinthians. He, God, comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Now I want you to, I want you to understand what, what Paul is saying. It's God who comforts us in these troubles, in these trials, in these tribulations, and all of these things that come our way. And why does he do it? Not only for the reason I gave you a while ago, but what Paul said, he does them so that we'll be able to comfort other individuals as they are going through these particular things. When others are troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. This word comfort is from uh, Latin uh, sources, and, and it's, uh, the word is comfortus in Latin, and what it means is to brave together. Brave together. And that's what, that's what comfort is, is it not? When you're, when you're braving together through this, when you see someone who needs you, God has helped you in this situation, now you're able to help this, and you, and you brave it together. And this word comfort also comes from what the Holy Spirit does. As John says in his writings that Jesus is going to send his comforter 
to us. Look at that phrase that Paul had, to be able to comfort. Dr. A.T. Robinson was one of our better theologians in the Southern Baptist Convention. And he said these words one time. The purpose of affliction in any Christian life is to qualify him or her for ministry to others. The purpose of affliction in your life and in my life will qualify us to help others. Trials come, and when they do, we need to find out what they're trying to tell us. Because, my friends, trials have a purpose. And God wants to speak through them to us. So let me ask you a personal question. Do you trust God enough to say, All right, God, whatever trial I might face today or I might face tomorrow, I'll try not to deal with it by myself. But but I'm going to look to you for help for anything that might come my way. Any trials, any, any type of tribulation, any type of adversity. I'm going to look to you to help me in that. I'm going to let it go and let you have it. Know this. God loves you. And he wants to help you. Now for you who might be here who do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it's a different story. You can't let go and let God have it because you don't have God. But God loves you and he wants you to have that that personal relationship with with him in order that he might help you through these things. You know what? I don't know how in the world non-Christians can go through the world like they do with all the things that come our way today. It's beyond my scope of reasoning how a non-Christian can face all that the world is throwing at us today. And God wants you to have a relationship with him. And you can have this relationship but it has to come through Jesus Christ. If you'll just allow Jesus Christ to come into your life, He'll impart His saving grace in you, which means you can be saved. But He does this when you confess your sins to Him, your waywardness from Him, and put your faith and trust in Him. Because Paul said the only way to be saved is through faith by his grace. We can't do it on our own. So don't try to do it by yourself. Reach out and look up to God. You'll not only become a child of his through that new birth that he gives you, but you'll have an anchor on which to hold. You know that? My friends, that's what we need today. Because we can't hold on to this old world and what's out there. We need an anchor for the storms of life. For all of those trials that come our way. So how do you react when a trial 
comes your way? How do I react? That's the question. God has the answer. Will you pray with me? Father, Lord, I many times do not know what to say, do not know how to pray, do not know what to speak, but I trust today that these words in some way have helped us, if not in anything else, just ignite us to begin thinking about the trials that come our way and what they mean and how we can react to them. That's for us, the Christians. But Lord, I would, I would pray too for any, who do, any here who do not have you, who need to know you as personal Savior and Lord, someone on whom they can trust, someone on whom they can, in whom they can put faith, someone who will help them in time of need. And Father, we know you're that one, and they need to know you. So I pray that your Holy Spirit, as he speaks to our hearts, your children, he might speak to their hearts that they might become your children. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.